I think you would agree with me. It's been a, an amazing start to an amazing day. Amen. And I, I look around this room, and man, what a, a blessing it is to see all of our, our children in here in first service with us as we celebrate Family Day, as we like to call it. And, and I know that, that your, your school-age children sitting right there beside you in, in this moment, it, it hasn't really been probably an easy week for uh, either of you parents or children <laughs> as you went back to school this past week, um, most everybody. And, and you probably were, you know, at times this week you probably had the, the bo boxing gloves on and you were like, all right, come on, bro, let's go. Let's just throw hands because it gets tough. How, how many of you dealt with homework issues this week? Yeah, uh, yeah. What about the getting up and getting ready issues this week? How many of you uh, fought that battle a couple of times? You know, that's a, boy, that's a fun one, huh? Yeah. What about the, the dog ate my homework? Uh, by, I'm just kidding. That's a, back in my day, we, we tried that. It never worked then either. So, uh, but welcome today. What a great day to be together. And, and what, a, what a powerful time in our world that we're living in, right? And, and, and a lot of stuff going on. But, but here's the, the word from God. Don't be overwhelmed by the stuff. Instead, be full of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're, we're finishing up our Spirit Life Service uh, uh, series uh, this morning. And, and we're talking about church on fire. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter uh, 2. Chapter 2. And we're going to uh, read from verse 42 down through verse 47 in just a moment. But have you ever heard someone say, you know, we all of us in this room probably at one time or another said, man, we want to get in church. And so we're going to start visiting some churches. Now, now the visiting church process is a little bit interesting. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you came here one time, man, God got a hold of your life and you've been a connection church person for, from then on, you know, so, so you didn't go through the process I'm about to describe, but but I, I've been I've been a part of this at times in my life where where mom said when we were kids, hey, we're gonna visit a couple churches. I feel like the Lord's sending us in a new direction, a new place, and all that stuff. And you go into a church, and said church you go into, you come out of it, and after after being a part of their service, you just made a statement something like this: Man, that place was deader than five o'clock. You ever? <laughs> You ever felt that way? I mean, you just went in and it was just, just something missing. But then you come into connections. I mean, you come into a, another church and, and you're in that church and you're like, man, that place was alive and popping. Something is there that is very powerful. Right? And I'm not talking about lights and music and sound and volume and, and Caleb up here doing this number right here and all that kind of stuff alone. <laughs> Love you, bro. What I am talking about is the life of the Holy Spirit inside each believer. And when we come together, how that just magnifies in greater numbers because of greater numbers being together of people full of God's Holy Spirit. There's life. There's power. There's anointing. You ever heard of that? It's when God's power induced comes down, fills a person. And the Holy Spirit does a great work in and through that person. And I'm telling you, man, when you have that in a group of people called the church, then the place is going to be alive and the people are going to be alive. There's going to be something different about it. That something that makes the difference is the Holy Spirit. You know how I know that? Look at me for a moment. The Bible tells me so. In John chapter 6, verse 63, John wrote these words through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says, it is the Holy Spirit who gives what? 
L-I-F-E. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us life. And then he goes on and says, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So hear me, church, this morning. Whenever you have a person and a church who are filled with the Holy Spirit, inevitably you are going to have life. And I'm not just talking about mediocre life, a little bit of life, just to get me through this day life. I'm talking about abundant life, overflowing life, life that is lived as more than a conqueror in and through the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. And that's what we see. The New Testament church who were birthed into a season of great persecution and evil. I mean, think about this. This, this, this is what we're talking about in the book of Acts chapter 2. This church that we're going to study for the next few moments. They were birthed into a season of great adversity and persecution and evil. After all, think of it this way. Just days before their world's power and system that they lived in in that time of history had just crucified Jesus Christ, their Lord and their leader. I mean, how much worse could it get? What kind of evil times are you living in when the world system that reigns and rules in your day and time kills the Son of God on a cross, right? I mean, we look around our world and man, things are bad. And we know that the Bible tells us they're not only bad now, but they're going to continue to get what? Worse. So we can relate to what they're going through in some ways. Please hear me. Just a little bit about the times that we are living in right now. Challenging, difficult. Everything from Christians leaving the faith altogether. How many of you are hearing about that movement? But the Bible was clear on that. He said in the last days there will be a great falling away. We're seeing it take place. We're seeing people who were raised in the church use every excuse to leave the church except for the fact that they have turned their hearts away from God, period. That's why people are leaving the church. But they want to blame mama, grandma, grandpa, society, history, on and on, you name it. But there are people leaving the church, turning their backs on God, not even believing there's a God. Talk about that, leaving the faith Living in complete apathy or redefining and watering down God's word. Social justice warriors falsely claiming that Christianity is hate speech and not inclusive. To all out hatred for God and his people by so many around us today. To modern day martyrs in Afghanistan, China and around the world who are being put to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're living in right now. Those are the headlines in our papers. And on our social media sites and news streams. Folks, here's what I say to that and hear me this morning. What a day for the church to come alive and rise and shine. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, it's time to rise and shine. Let, let them know that. Help me out this morning. What a day for the church to come alive in the spirit and live the spirit life once again. That is the call and the mandate and the charge from heaven to us as God's people in this day and time of history that we are planted in, each one of us. But the question is this, are we living in God's power? 
Are we moving in God's power? Are we having our being? In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Are we doing all of these things in the power of the Holy Spirit, living that spirit life? Francis Chan. Many of you have read his writings. You've done his Bible studies. Several years ago, he wrote these words. God put his spirit in us. Listen to me. So that we could be known for our power in him. But sadly, most believers and churches are known for talent and intellect rather than supernatural power. And what's worse is that we're okay with that. He said, I'm willing to bet that there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have had an experience in his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe that they will ever be able to do that. How tragic is that? And as a reminder of what spirit life really looks like in the church, in a church on fire, I want to read to you the words out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is after the day of Pentecost had fully come. When the Holy Spirit came down, Jesus had went back to be in heaven and prepared that place for us. And he charged the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit that would come on them. That day came, and when they were filled with the Spirit, here's what happened to the church. First of all, understand this. In that moment, the church was formulated. It was formed. It was fashioned. It was founded. It was put together. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will what? Will not prevail against it. So there was the establishment of the church there at Pentecost. And from that moment on, here's what began to, to, began to take place. 42, they devoted themselves. Mark that word in your Bible. Don't be afraid to write, note, notate, highlight, whatever. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer, verse 42 says. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47 says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. There's the pattern. There's the model of church. One of the most convincing proofs that the risen Lord Jesus had poured out the promised Holy Spirit can be seen in the events following Peter's sermon there on Pentecost. Luke not only records those who received Peter's words were baptized, who were added to the church in verse 41, but he also gives a comprehensive portrait of the daily life of this new spirit-filled community. And this picture shows that the restored people of God are those who not only obey the word of the king, but love his people and rely on his power. What we see is a true spirit-filled church community of believers who are joyfully devoted to a few things I want to mention as we finish up. Number one, they had unwavering devotion verse 42 tells us. In other words, you can write it down like this if you're taking notes. They were all in. You ever heard that word? I mean, NFL season's about to kick off. Preseason's winding down. They're about to go for the real thing here in a couple of weeks. And you got teams all across the land. They're, they're all rallying around one thing. Hey, man, we're going to get it this year. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to be all in. How many of you ever played team sports? 
You understand the mentality here that it takes everybody doing everything they can to win the game, to win the championship, to win the division, to win the league, to win the the, the ultimate prize. It takes everybody, as they say, going all in. And here we see a church who were absolutely all in for Jesus Christ. Not something that they did just half-heartedly or on the weekends. (laughs) They were full throttle. They were absolutely devoted. And they were devoted to three key things I want to point out to you very quickly. Number one, they were devoted to God's word, the apostles' teaching. They were soaking it in like sponges. They were hungry for the word. They knew that the words of Jesus were spirit and they were life. As Dr. John Stott describes in his writings, he says, One might say that the Holy Spirit opened a school in Jerusalem that day. The apostles were the teachers, and the students were 3,000-plus pupils who were starting out in kindergarten. Man, I love that description. They were sitting at the feet of the apostles and soaking in the Word of God. In other words, I imagine if they were gathered with us this morning, that they would have their notebooks out. They would have pen and paper ready, and they would be writing down everything that the Holy Spirit clipped their heart about and said, I don't want to forget that. And they were soaking it in, and they were following through and reading the Word and going through the Word with the verses and scriptures, and they were just getting everything they could get. If they missed something while they were writing down, they would ask their neighbor, hey, what was that? I, I missed that last comment. And they were writing that down. They were making sure they were going back through the week, and they were watching these services again and again, and they were getting it inside of them. They were spending their time in daily devotions. They were eating up the Word of God like never before. What about us? How devoted are we? Today it seems that many times the only reason that students are in school is because they have to be, right? Drudgery. Check a box. Fill a column. Do my duty. But these first century students were there because they desperately wanted to be. The Bible describes them once again as devoted to learning. They had a deep hunger to know God more and know more about God and his ways. They sat at the feet of the the apostles with an insatiable appetite for the word of God. Let me challenge us this morning, church. This week, if you need to change some habits in your life, to put some things down so you can pick this thing up, then here's what I encourage you to do. Make that step. Pray, ask God, get a hold of somebody who can be an accountability partner. Whatever you got to do, as one preacher used to say that I love to hear so much, if you got to sell your bed, do it. Just make sure you do what God's calling you to do. They devoted themselves to God's word. Next, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And what I'm talking about is more than just eating some fried chicken around the table after church one Sunday and saying, hey, what a great fellowship dinner we had. Don't get me wrong, I like fried chicken. And I like eating with you folks. But what we're talking about here is deeper and stronger. We're talking about relationship building. The word here for fellowship is the common Greek word koinonia. The word is used in the New Testament for more than talking about sports and weather. Rather, it refers to the common life that those within the church shared with one another. In other words, they were building relationship. And next, they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer, what we might call communion and communication. They were devoted to to being reminded about who Jesus is and all he did for them as they, they, they broke the bread and drank the juice together on a regular basis to remember and honor the sacrifice of the king. They made that a habit to do on a regular basis. 
to commune with one another, to break bread, and also to communicate with their God. I mean, if there's ever a time that we need to be called to prayer, pushed to prayer, the time is now. I don't care about talking to your buddies and talking to your friends. Those are good things. But man, we need to get down to business of talking to the king, of being in constant communication. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. The word of God is very clear on what our prayer life should look like. Not just praying over our food once in a while and praying as we tuck our kids into bed or things like that. But get down to business with regularly talking to your king. They devoted them. This is not a light description. When it talks about you devote yourself to something. Think of it in these terms that you walk down the aisle. Those of you that are married. You walk down the aisle. You look that person in the eyes. And you pledge yourself to them. And what you're saying is this. I devote my life to you. I'm giving you all of me as you are giving me all of you. This is a sincere definite covenant commitment that we devote ourselves to the right things. Secondly, we realize there's an overwhelming awe that hit this church. Their worship wasn't lip service. (laughs) It was real. It was genuine. It was overflowing. They knew they were a part of a divine movement and that reality dramatically transformed their lives and it overwhelmed them. I want to tell you something this morning, church. Authentic, Bible-based, spirit-filled worship is a sign of full surrender and allegiance to our great God. Period. No debate. You can discuss it all you want to, but the reality is a devoted life to Jesus Christ is going to be a life that worships Him freely and passionately and beautifully. That's what we see with this church. Spirit-filled Christian thirst after true worship, sound teaching, and loving fellowship. Next, we see the undeniable proof of God's power in verse 43. That's my terminology for signs and wonders, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual healing. There was undeniable proof that things were happening and lives were being transformed in a way that could only be explained by the presence and the power of God. Signs and wonders followed these believers. Today we believe and pray for the miraculous and the signs and wonders also. And believe me, are seeing them regularly and will so much more as we near the return of Jesus Christ to call us home. Miracles. That same Holy Spirit, the Bible says, that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? In us. We have that resurrection power running through our veins as well. Miracles in and through the lives of broken people, hurting people, lost people, hopeless people. God is doing that and will so much more as we continue to march forward to that trumpet blast. Next we see there was complete unity. And somebody was like, well, okay, let's let's put a time out here. I don't know about this one, preacher. Verse 44, the believers were together. Write that down if you're taking notes. Together and mark that in your Bible. There's something to be said about togetherness. A house divided against itself, what? Will not stand. But when we are together as one unit, man, incredible things are going to happen. They were together, and it also says they had everything in common. Now at this point, wouldn't this be nice? There were no hidden agendas. There were no arguments in the body of believers there, in the church. There were no, and man, I love this one, there were no denominations. How about that? 
Can somebody say, praise God, how nice it must have been back then when there wasn't denomination, fighting denomination, and looking down upon each other and critical of each other? There was no arguing, no denominations, no church splits. Let me let you in on this little secret. The only thing that Jesus prayed for future believers in the New Testament, John 17, is that they would be united. You remember that prayer? If you read Acts 5, the first thing Satan attacks in this church is their unity. He knew and he knows how important it is that we be, look at me church, together. That we be united as one. Ten times in the first five chapters of Acts, it says things like this. They were unified. He uses phrases like they were of one accord, one heart, one purpose, one spirit. All united in thought. Man, I'm going to tell you something. God can overlook a lack of facilities. He can overlook a lack of programs, a lack of leadership. But one thing he will not overlook is disharmony in the church. Harmony and unity must be maintained at all costs because the church is a fellowship. We need to build fellowship into each other. One with God and one with each other. That's what it's all about. And I'm going to tell you, there's been wolves come into the church at times. The Bible's very clear on that. There's been people that have a Jezebel spirit come into the church at times and bring poison and bring discord and bring trouble. And here's what we as the shepherds have to do. We have to rise up, see that in somebody and deal with it and remove them or see God change their heart one or the other because it cannot remain. It will inevitably bring a split and all kinds of trouble. Unity. United, how important that is. We also see that there was sacrificial giving in verse 45. And some of you are like, man, when he read it a few minutes ago, we got to sell all our stuff, give it away. Now, that's not what we're talking about here. But what we see here is they gave to anyone as they had what? Need. They completely realized that everything they had was a gift from God. And they were simply stewards. A word you may be more familiar with is a manager of it. You get to manage the blessings that God pours into your life as well as I do. If God wanted them to give their possessions to someone else, that was his call. Because here's the bottom line of it. They trusted God enough to give sacrificially and as he directed them to. They were willing to share with each other. Luke describes the members of the church here as selling their possessions and good. They gave to anyone as had need. In verse 45, no, Luke is not mandating a communal lifestyle for the church, okay? We're not to buy 100 acres out here on the outskirts of town and all move out there and live this simple life of just everything goes to the church, Believe me, you don't want to live that close to me. I mean, I love you and everything. But my wife will tell you, I have my moments. Especially when I get tired, I get a little grumpy. Just, just a smidge, just maybe minute. But here's what it looks like. What the Lord is telling us is the impact of the Holy Spirit is in a life of a believer is that because of the Holy Spirit, write this down. We no longer selfishly hold on to what is ours. We no longer selfishly hold on to what is ours, but generously share with those in need. 
I said it like this years ago, and I still love this statement. We become rivers, not reservoirs. Where blessings, God's blessings can flow in us and through us, not be dammed up and kept all to ourselves. The parable of building more barns and bigger barns and storing up more and more for yourself. That's what Jesus said we are not to be about. And then next we see how important intentional community is. In verse 46, they worshiped together, they ate together, they did life together. They didn't just do life sitting in these rows, right? Look, look to the person to your left and right. Look, look, look across the room. Look, let's see how we're kind of set up this morning. It's not conducive to building relationship, to interaction. You've got somebody's back to you if you're, if you're not on, you know, the front row. Or if you are, or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay, you got it. Community grows through relationship. And it's here that the disciples are identified as believers for the very first time. And I want you to notice with me, they had only two activities that they were about. Number one, they went to the temple. So what that tells us is they gathered in large crowds as we do here on Sunday mornings, right? They come together as the Big C Church. And then through the week, they gathered in smaller groups and homes studying together and praying together and doing life together. Sounds like a pretty familiar model, right? We get together in connect groups through the week so that we can share with one another and interact with one another. And when somebody's having a surgery, our group can rally around them. And somebody needs some help with babysitting, our group can rally around them. And when somebody's just having a, a tough time, our group can rally around them. When somebody's celebrating God's victories and blessings in their life, our group can celebrate with them. We can laugh together, cry together, do life together, get to know each other in those circles, in those living rooms, in classrooms, at the church. There's something to be said about intentional community. It is a powerful thing. We want this to be true of us. We gather here and then we gather during the week. And as we do that, we begin to see shared lives together. Keep reading second part of verse 46 and watch this. The Bible even says they ate their food. How many of you love to eat food, Noel? Oh, sorry, slipped out. She's always good to point out that I mentioned food in, in a message. and So there you go for this week, okay? I've already talked about fried chicken, and now I'm talking about eating food together. Chocolate, don't, don't get me off track big time here, okay? <laughs> that is my heart, chocolate. Hey, did I tell you I won at the uh, auction a three-gallon bucket of Tony's chocolate ice cream? That was last Saturday. One and a half gallons is gone. And the rest of it's going to be taken out this week. <laughs> Did I also mention I started back running yesterday because of <laughs> said chocolate purchase and, and consumption. Okay, let's move on. But listen to how they ate their food. The Bible says in verse 47, with joyful and sincere hearts. What a great way to eat, right? You ever ate mad? <laughs> Some of you are real quick to say, yeah. I love that. You ever ate mad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we all have at times. We've been a little upset, a little, you know, frustrated, a little. But they ate with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Don't let that slip by. And every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. 
Now, there's some specific outcomes of their devotion that we're going to see here as we wind this down. First of all, it's joyful and sincere hearts praising God. I love that, that there's joy in the moment. There's joy at the meal, at the, at the supper table. There's joy wherever they are, assembling together, eating meals together, hanging out together, chatting together, whatever's going on, playing ball together at the softball field. There's joy, and there's a sincerity of heart. For us, that means that God is number one. He is the, the, the first and only audience that we have when we gather together. For us, it also means when we come into a church service like this, that, that some of you might be like, well, I don't like that particular worship song. Well, guess what? It wasn't for you. Let me just enlighten you a little bit there. Well, I don't like that particular message. Well, guess what? I don't always like it either. I mean, I have to deal with it through the week. Pastor Scott, Pastor Joe, we get this that God puts on our heart. And we're like, no, God, are you serious? I want to preach about this. He's like, nope, here's where you're going this week. And whether you like it or not, you got to get up there and do what I've called you to do. And I, mm. So if you don't enjoy it, think about the times that we go through. But I'm going to tell you something. I would rather stand before him and give an account of, Lord, I spoke what you wanted to be speak, than say, you know what? I didn't like that, so I thought it would go better this way. No! Most of the time we don't like to hear something because it steps all over our toes and it convicts our hearts. So we'd rather have something else that would tickle our ears a little bit. You might have read somewhere in that word. But guess what? Tickling your ears is not going to change your life and your circumstances. But I'm going to tell you something, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and we listen to what God says and we take the message in to heart and allow the Holy Spirit to break us in that, that is worth everything that this world doesn't have. I'm just a mailman. I just try to deliver what God puts on my heart as to our whole pastoral staff. We, we see they had favor with all people next. What we see is that a vibrant community extends itself in two directions, toward God and towards our neighbors. But, but here's the thing. This favor, as we study this and read this a little closer, this favor extended to the city around them. Get this. The people who were not believers, who were not Christians. So you know what that means? This, this wasn't a sealed off community. It wasn't a private club. That's isolated from the world living in a bubble. No. Apparently these, these folks had a good reputation with outsiders. Meaning they hung out with outsiders. Non-Christians knew them. And they knew non-Christians. There were relationships there. It's amazing what a gospel-centered community can do. And the impact it can have like that. It gets the attention of the whole city and the whole area. And then there's my favorite result that blows me away every time as we finish this. They experience God-sized growth. Listen, church, when God shows up in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's unmistakable. God grew the church. The apostles adjusted their sails to prepare for the wind of the Holy Spirit, but it was the Holy Spirit himself that fueled the church then, just as he is the only one that fuels the church right now today in our lives. Why did the first century church explode? Why were converts counted by the thousands rather than by the ones and the twos? Because the church devoted themselves to spirit-filled living. Look at me, church. 
They fully devoted themselves to Holy Spirit-filled living. Flesh be done. Flesh be, be gone. I want to live in God's Spirit. I want to do my best to always listen to Him, follow Him, be full of Him. Let the Holy Spirit ooze out of me in every way it can to touch the lives of the people that I will come in contact with. I don't always get it right, but I'm telling you something, church. That is my prayer. Now, what about if we all prayed that way? What, if, what about if we all lived that way and gave ourselves to the Lord's Spirit fully and completely every single day and said, God, I surrender everything I am. You come and fill me. What if we as a church united together every time we did this thing called church on Sundays and we just worshiped God and were full of the Spirit and loved each other and, and built community and served one another and was selfless with each other, prayed for each other, devoted ourselves to God and one another, to our community, to seeing broken lives healed, changed and transformed and set free and forever, forever forever changed by the glory of God. What would church look like? What would our families look like? What would our communities look like? It was said of these first church people that they turned their world upside down. Can, can you imagine that with me? If Connections Church Belmont had the same hunger and passion and desire to be full of God's Spirit, to live the Spirit life and see God work in us and through us to turn our world upside down. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? And I just want to ask this right now as we go to the Lord in prayer and we prepare to sing our hearts out to the Lord one more time together in this way. I want to ask if you're in this room right now, if you're watching right now, and God has spoken something to your life about who you are and where you're at with Him and your devotion to Him, your, your hunger for Him, your passion for Him. I want to ask you right now, if God is speaking to your heart and your life in any way at all about any of that, then here's what I want you to do with every eye closed for just another moment. I want you to simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit's dealing with my life right now and I just want you to pray for me this morning as I respond to Him with my life. Can I see your hands across this room? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, come on. Not a day to play games, not a time to, to be on the fence and be wavering yes thank you young man thank you ma'am thank you how many others just yes yes thank you we're just going to begin to worship God and I want to invite you guys to come if you're raising your hands I want you to come up here and meet me right here I want to pray with you and for you come on young old whatever age or stage of life you're in I want you to come now gather at the front of this church and whatever it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to you for you and about you and over you. I want you to come. Just surrender that to him and say, Lord, come and fill me fresh and new. Thank you, Jesus. We got a lot of hungry young ladies in here for God. A lot of young ladies who are saying, you know what? I want everything that God has for me. Where are my men at this morning? Us men have it all together? Is that what you're saying? God not dealing with a single man in this room? Come on.
I'm not trying to call you out, but I'm calling you out right now. It's your time too. Lord, come and do your work in us. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want some of you to come and just stand with these and pray with these. Y'all spread out a little bit here. Let's get get y'all some room where people can come and connect with you and minister to you and, and, and with you right now. Come, ladies and men, across the room. There's a whole group of folks up here standing, surrendering to God something in their lives. So as you come to pray, I'm going to pray over us as a, as a group because this is a, a, an individual thing, but it's a church thing too, that we want to be the church. So would everybody across the room just stand and maybe you need to be up here. You're fighting it. Quit fighting it. Just surrender right now. Would, would you all stand across the room? And if you still need to make your way up and pray with these and pray for yourself and pray for your church. My goodness, we need it as Connections Church. Every church needs the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit residing richly in us and through us. God, thank you for the promise of your spirit. Thank you for delivering on that promise. Thank you for your great love to us, God, and for us, Lord, that you gave yourself completely to us. Now we pray that we give ourselves completely to you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us to overflowing. God, have your way in every little life, in every every adult life, every, every man and every woman, every young person, every Every boy and every girl who says, I need you, God. I'm hungry right now. Father, come and fill us to overflowing. Fill us with your love and your power. Fill families up today, God. Fill our church up today, God. Let the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit come and do a mighty work in us and through us, God. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. We live for you, God. We give ourselves completely. Let unity rise in this place, in this house, God. Let unity be what marks us, our love and our unity, God, for you and one another, God. Just let it be. Let it be, Lord, all this that we, we've walked through this morning, God, that you're dealing with our hearts on, God. Just We surrender to you right now, fully and completely, Lord. We understand where we're at on, at on the cosmic calendar, that you're coming soon, Lord. And we want to be a people that's hungry for your presence and your power, that's lighting up the lives of those around us, God, as you light our lives up, Lord, that's turning our world upside down, God. Let it be today. Let it be from this day forward, God. Carry us from this place with a new anointing, a new fullness, a new power of the Holy Spirit. God, let it all come in us and through us from your throne room. In Jesus' name we pray and we celebrate. Continue to pray as we sing this out and worship him together, church. He is worthy of all of our praise and our worship today. Thank you, Jesus.